kids everyone was supposed to like, but nobody really knew why. It was like the invisible nerd girl who showed up at school with a makeover, and then suddenly everyone claimed to have been friends with almond butter before she was hot. I poured a sample of flavored Starbucks creamer into my coffee as we talked about bus schedules back to the city. Olivia tilted her head, all sad to say goodbye. Well, we just loved having you here. Well, thanks so much for including me. Anytime you need someone to drink coffee creamer in the Hamptons, she chirped a laugh. I know, right? She tilted her head again, somehow differently. Tiltier. And can I just say, I think it's great that someone like you works at a fashion website. I just think it's so wonderful. I blinked into my cup, just a slight pause. If this were the first time I'd heard it, I might have done a spit take, but it was more like the seventh. Though I still needed to work on my comeback. Oh, yeah. It went without saying that Someone like you meant fat girl. And that I was, irrefutably. I was not round or curvy or any of those euphemisms we prefer to use rather than clinically obese. No one wants to shop the clinically obese section. As I packed up my overnight bag and headed back to New York, the same thought emerged over and over again. Surely, some people manage to have a life and a job and dinner without gaining 50 pounds, right? Maybe? I thought of that old book title that kept popping up online during my desperate new diet searches. If I was truly through with dieting, then maybe it was time to give intuitive eating a shot. But I couldn't just do it myself with a book. Books could be put down. If I didn't get some real guidance, then I'd end up eating pizza all day, every day. I made the first decision. I'd ask for help. Fuck. One of the best things about diets is that you don't usually need to rely on anyone else. Asking others for help was not my favorite thing, but I knew from experience that, damn it, it worked. I'd been in therapy for, oh, ever, so why not find a food shrink of sorts? New York had every possible kind of therapist imaginable. If there were therapists for traumatized parakeets, I could find one that specialized in this method. I'd reach out to an intuitive eating coach and throw myself upon his or her mercy as a chronic case. A real-life person would keep me accountable, and that way there would be someone to dial 911 if I actually did overdose on Domino's. An hour later, Olivia dropped me off at the bus stop, a little white bench in front of an actual picket fence, where my picturesque epiphany continued. As I waited for the Hampton Jitney, my bags heavy with painfully symbolic food products and kitchenware, I thought of another element of the plan. It was a plan now. This wasn't just about food. I'd spent my life swinging between two distinct phases, obsessive exercise or high-intensity sloth. I'd go through months of morning yoga, evening cardio, and walking miles out of my way so I could calculate the calories burned. I hated every second of it, but that was the point of exercise, right? To absolutely no one's surprise, these spurts of mania always flamed out fast. Sometimes I'd quit because of an injury, a sprained back or a torn ligament, all in a day's workout when you're a lunatic. Other times, simple boredom brought me to a halt. Thus, the lazy phase would begin again, and I'd spend a year taking cabs and sleeping in. The second decision, I would find a trainer. There had to be a way to integrate fitness into my life without letting it take over. I still suspected that a workout didn't really count unless it bordered on self-harm, but I was willing to be proven wrong. I knew I couldn't afford a lifetime of personal training, but I also knew that I needed someone to set me straight, at least at the beginning. I promised myself I'd go in with no judgment. As long as he or she didn't make me run or spin or do anything I didn't want to do, I'd do it. I would find a trainer and be honest with him or her. Nice to meet you. I don't know what the hell I'm doing. 
There's nothing quite like a solo bus ride for personal introspection. Put on some old U2 and you're halfway to a montage. You're the lead character in a movie about a girl who tries to leave her troubled past behind, but guess what? She can't. I keep a playlist for just these kind of road trips, so when the bus arrived, I queued it up and settled into an empty window seat, one of two passengers on the jitney at 4 p.m. on a Thursday. I looked back at my fellow rider barking instructions into her phone and hoped she could wrap it up soon. Can you see I'm in the middle of an epiphany? There was a third decision knocking around in my head, though I hesitated to make it. But since the idea first emerged that morning, as I sat on a pile of dead leaves, this part was a foregone conclusion. I pulled out my phone and began an email to my editor-in-chief, the subject line reading, New Column Idea. I had to write about it. Good, bad, and probably ugly. I needed to chronicle the journey publicly, and not just because I knew there would be others out there who could relate to being trapped in their own bodies, waiting for life to begin 30 pounds from now.